And it is good to be here this morning. And I am excited about preaching this text. This is one of my favorite passages I think I've ever preached. And, and so I'm, I'm grateful to be able to preach this this morning uh, for you all. So you see our questions up on, the, up on the board there, up on the screen. And uh, so feel free, of course, to follow along uh, with those and, and answer them so that uh, we can respond corporately together this morning. Um, before we continue our passage, uh, verse, uh, verses 20 and 21, I, I do want to um, recap just a little bit because um, I didn't get to finish last week uh, some of the, the main points and things that were being said uh, in the passage. And so I, I, want, to, I want to do so. Uh, this morning by by looking at those. So if we have our questions written down, let's go ahead and read uh, 14 through 21 this morning, Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, here we go. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than what we can ask or think according to that power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And he actually puts that in there. Amen. I like that. So we have, what we talked about last week was two petitions that were being made. So, so two requests, right, that are being made in that first section, 14 through, uh, through 19. And we're going to cover those just really briefly. I'll spend more time on the second one because that's the one we didn't finish. But this, this first one, the first petition here, if we can sum it all up, what he is asking for the church, for the believers, is he is asking that you and I would have the power of God, the power of God to strengthen, not our bodies, but to strengthen our inner being. To strengthen our inner being, right? We see that in verse 16. He may grant you to be strengthened through or with His power through His Spirit. So we see how we are going to be strengthened or how we are strengthened is we are, we are strengthened through His Spirit through His Holy Spirit. So one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to strengthen you, to give you strength. Right? Strength to do what? And in, in, in reality, we're going to boil it down, strengthening the inner man for you to be a Christian, to pursue holiness, to pursue obedience, to pursue the, the blamelessness, and to be steadfast in your faith. That's, the, that's what He is saying here. When he's asking to be strengthened. And that this is the, this is the inner man. And we need, to, we need to really grasp this, y'all. That he asks for the inner man to be strengthened. It's not the outer self. 
right? We talked about our outer selves. Lottie Grace, please sit down. We talked about how our outer selves are, are wasting away, aren't they? Right? I mean, aren't, we, aren't we tired? Aren't we, aren't we getting older? We're losing that strength, that vitality that we once had. Uh, some of you are like, what? Some of the younger ones are like, what are you talking about? Uh, you know, why? Because we're, we're aging, we're getting old. But it's the inner man, the inner being by which we need to be strengthened. And, and this is what's so great about the gospel, by the way. The gospel doesn't change you on the outside. The gospel transforms your, your inside. It gives you that new heart, that new spirit, that, that new mind. That's what makes us this new creation. Even the difference between when we were an unbeliever and, an, and now a new believer in Christ is that we are transformed in the inner, in the inner being. Now, for a lot of us, sometimes that, that does transform the outside, doesn't it? The marks and the things that we used to do previously that marked our unbelief now is transformed in, in the Lord, in Christ, and it looks different. But this transformation of the inner mind, takes, take inner being, takes place in the heart of, of man. And this is why he asks for this. Because it's so easy for us to depend on ourselves. It's so easy for us to look to our own strength. It's so easy for us to conjure up our own wills and to talk ourselves into doing certain things, to look a certain way and to be a certain way. And then we convince ourselves that that's really transformation. And then there's times and there's moments that reveal when we fall back into sin and we fall back into guilt and we realize we've just been on the treadmill the whole time. We've gone nowhere. There's been no transformation. There's been no renewal of mind. But this is what the gospel is so good because it renews our inner being. It's transforming our inner being. And he is praying that we would have the power to be strengthened by this, that our inner being. I'll I'll close this first petition by saying this. Brothers and sisters, we, you, we, right? So when I say you, I mean we, corporately, as a body. We need to depend upon the power of God for the transformation of our inner being. We need it. We, we, we need it. We, we, we need these things. And, and not just that. Like it doesn't, This isn't a one-time occurrence, but we need this every day. We need this, we need this every day. That's why Jesus says, take up my cross, or take up your cross and follow me, how many times? Daily. Every day. When we go to work, when we go to church, when we go out of town, when we go on vacation, when we go on a work trip, when we go to wherever they send you, Rick, right? We need to be transformed daily. And we take up our cross and we we follow Him. And this is a power that is to to transform us completely new again. To make us completely new. And he has certainly done this. And one of the things that I said last week, that the same power, the same power that has transformed you daily, that's transforming you daily, is the exact same power that that saved you. The same power on the cross. The same power. So our, that's the, the, the link of our justification and our sanctification cannot be separated. They can't, be, they can't be taken apart. You can't, you can't divorce the two. It's your, it's your justification that is empowering your sanctification. What Christ has done in the cross 2,000 years ago is still empowering your transformation today. It doesn't change. It can't be separated. 
So that's why when I say preach the gospel to yourself when you're struggling, preach the gospel to yourself daily, it's because of that. Because you need to, you need to remember the cross. You need to remember what Christ did. You need to remember that, that great love in which he had for us and therefore he was willingly poured himself out as an offering for us so that, so that we can be atoned for before God. They're inseparable. Alright, so enough of that point because I've got to get to the next one because I really want us to get to 20 and 21 today. Second petition. So the first one is that we would have the strength, the strength, right, the power of God so that we would be strengthened of our inner being. The second one is that we may have the, the strength to grasp the dimension, the limitless dimensions of the love of Christ. I know that's a mouthful. To be strengthened to grasp the limitless dimensions of the love of Christ. And you can see that at the passage there in 17 through, through, through 19. And here we see a, a petition that we may, we may grasp the love of Christ. And, and we put in here the limitless dimensions because you see that, right? You see the metaphor that's being used here. That we may, that we may what? Grasp the, the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, right? You guys remember that in ge- geometry, the length times width times height, you know, and kind of stuff. And that's how you, get, you can get your volume and stuff. Uh, and, and that's what this is, right? But he's saying it's, it's limitless. It's, it's a limitless volume of the love of Christ. Which means, which means he's, he's saying we need to be strengthened by it and we need to grasp this and have a great appreciation for it. But guess what? It is a, it is a length and a depth that you'll never reach. We'll blame Christine on that. Um, so we may grasp the limitless dimensions of the love of Christ, right? It's a, it's a level and a depth that we never could achieve. Christina's like, what did I do? What did I do? She's trying to listen out there. Uh, maybe you can help her if, if she needs help. Um, so we may grasp. That's, that's our, such a big thing because, because we, we don't want to appreciate it. We kind of want to take it for granted, don't we? We kind of want to take the, the love of Christ and take it for granted, but yet, yet hear the prayer of Paul here for the church, for us, for the church in Ephesus and for us, is that we may grasp it. We may understand it. And then he says this. He says he calls it a paradox, right? He says that it's, the, it's the love of Christ, and to know this love, it, it surpasses all knowledge. What does that mean, surpasses all knowledge? It means it's unattainable. You'll never really figure it out. You'll, you'll never really get it. But it's not going to be one of those things that just because I can't understand it, I'm not going to even worry about it. It's one of those things that because you can't understand it, I want more of it. I want, I want, to, I want to dive deeper. I want to go further. I want to go faster and harder into it. I want to lean in more to the love of Christ. And this isn't a type of love, as we talked about last week. This isn't the type of love that we stumble into. It's not something that you're going to fall into. Like you're, like you're just going to wait for it to happen osmosisly, right? It's going to happen through, through, through the power of God. And God does this in such great ways. He brings about, I think, in a lot of us, a, a new hunger and desire for His Word. I know for me, the Lord used, um, used events in my life. To be, to be just awestruck by the love of Christ. And, and I talked about last week how the Lord used a, a, a 
a tragic event in the life of Christina and mine as well. We were married at the time and, and the loss of her mom, um, you know, tragically um, taking her own life. Um, everything came to the top. All the fears, all the doubts, all, everything. How could God be good? How can God be sovereign and allow, ordain that to happen? And it was a rough road. But what the Lord did, the Lord took such a, a tragic event, and he, and he didn't just say, he didn't react to it. He was sovereign. And throughout the, the years that that really took, as the Lord did a great work in Christina's life, and, and I encourage you all to ask her and talk to her, that maybe, uh, maybe some you know, ladies or whatnot want to get with her and talk to her about that stuff. The Lord has done a magnificent work in her heart and because of this. A magnificent work, a, a work that, that, that brought about a, a deep love and trust in the supremacy of God and the sovereignty of God. She doesn't understand it. She still doesn't get it. But she believes that the Lord was always working for her good. Was always working for her good. And then in the end, she wouldn't trade it. And I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't, we wouldn't trade it for nothing. We wouldn't trade it. All that pain, all the dark nights, the dark nights of her soul, she would not trade it at all. Would not go back because the Lord did such a great work. And then used it and other people's lives used it once again in, 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 her, in her life uh, with the loss of her, of her dad. So what's, what's the purpose? And this is what I wanted to really get to today because we didn't cover it last week. The purpose behind all of this. The purpose of, of us grasping the, the, the limitless dimensions of the love of Christ is this. And he tells us in verse 19. Take a look with me. He says this in verse 19. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So this is the answer to the why. It's so that you, so that me, so that, so that Christina in all of that was to be filled, to be, to be topped off, to be overflowing with the fullness of God. Not the fullness of yourself, right? We, she needed to be emptied out. She needed to be broken down. We all needed to be broken down to nothing because where we exist, God does not exist. We need to crucify our flesh that in order the Spirit would fill us up in such a way that He fills us up. And we may be filled up with Him with the fullness of God. And simply put, to be filled with the fullness of God is this, is that you may be mature. That you may be mature. That we may grow up in maturity. The church, oh, brothers and sisters, and, and, and I'm, I'm so thankful for, for God's work. I'm so thankful for, for God's work. But I, I've, I, as a young believer... As a, as a young man who was called into ministry and who did ministry at a young age, even in college, I was always disturbed by the, by the immaturity that I saw at church. 
it doesn't take much to go there, but Ephesians 4, we'll actually talk more about what this maturity looks like, and I'm really excited about going over that with you all. If you can look at that later, uh, verses 11 through 16, you can see what this maturity looks like. But here it is, God, as God has called us to be holy, right? he said, be holy because I'm holy. What he is telling us here in this prayer, but then later on in Ephesians 4, is that be mature because I'm mature. So the purpose of having the power to be strengthened in the inner being and the power to, uh, uh, to, to grasp the, the limitless dimensions of the love of Christ is so that we would mature. Now I want you to understand, we cannot separate, right? The love and mature. And, and I'm going to illustrate that for you. I'm going to illustrate that for you. Okay. If there are... Uh, if, if, if there's a child and this child is neglected emotionally and uh, 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 is really neglected that emotionally, right? Uh, not given love, not hugged, not, not held, but just left, right? Not, is taken care of physically, but, but not taken care of uh, um, emotionally or even is emotionally scarred, right? Told, never told that they're loved or, or not given the hugs and the kisses and, and, and things like that. What, what happens with that child? That, that child grows up and, and does not reach what we would like to say emotional maturity. They do not achieve emotional maturity. They're, what it, simply put, they, they don't know how to receive love and they don't know how to give love. Why? Because they've never been shown what love is. They've never been given love. Right? Studies have shown this, and in, in particularly in, in young ladies, that if they are not loved correctly by a loving father and reared correctly by a loving father, that they, will, they, that they would then learn to give love and receive love very inappropriately. Very inappropriate. That's, that can be very destructive. So the same thing, the same type of, type of neglect of not being loved or grasping the, the limitless dimensions of the love of Christ, not grasping that has also the same way very much spiritual, uh, uh, emotional issues as well. We'll never grow up spiritually. You'll never grow up spiritually. And we can't put the cart before the horse here. If we don't grasp the limitless dimensions of the love of Christ, then how are we going to grow up in Christ? I mean, we can, we can beat you all day long and tell you and make you feel terrible that you don't read your Bible or that you don't pray. But if it's not driven by love, then you're never going to do it. Right? We do what we love. We do what draws our affections out. We do what we desire. And what Paul wants you to grasp is that Christ loves you. And he loves you in such a way that this is what empowers our obedience, this is what empowers and shapes our maturity. Now there's a problem with my illustration talking about the, the emotionally immature child that's neglected. The problem is this is that there's a big difference between us and the, and the emotionally, spiritually, or the emotional neglected child. Is they are neglected. And we are the ones who do the neglecting. To ourselves. Our problem is that we run from the love of God. And we become that, that, willfully, um, that willfully prodigal son, right? That runs from it. 
But the result's still the same. Immaturity. And immaturity is characterized as selfishness, as an independent attitude. An attitude that, that runs from love. An attitude that runs from, from loving discipline. An attitude that says that I'm in control of my life and I don't need to be close or intimate with God. It's a fear of intimacy, right? That, those, who, those who are uh, uh, um, emotionally immature, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're fearful of Im- intimacy. They're fearful of intimacy. They, they run from it. And a lot of times they intentionally sabotage it, don't they? They run from it. They hurt others. They hurt the ones that they love the most or that love them the most. And that's us. That's us. And that's why, brothers and sisters, it takes the power of God to do this. It takes the power of God to transform us. Is this us? Is that you? Are you immature? Are you, are you not growing up in Christ? Or are you growing up in Christ? Honestly, ask those questions to yourself this morning before we transition into the next passage. That the Holy Spirit may, may give you uh, um, insight to this. And maybe he's using this right now to convict you, to repent of, of a sin that's, that's leading you from being growing in Christ. That's stunting the, your, your love for the Lord. It is truly an amazing experience to have a life to, that delights in the love of God. To be amazed by the love of God. To live in the warmth and the comfort of His, of his magnificence. Everything changes. Everything changes in this life when that happens. So may we, may we grasp the immeasurable riches of the love of Christ. May we depend upon the power of God to transform our inner being. And this moves us to our next passage this morning. In verses 20 and 21. And I want to read those again to you. He says, after, after that, right? So after that prayer, he moves into this doxology. This doxology of praise. He says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power that is at work within us to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. My generation has been taught by previous generations a, a, uh, a certain euphemisms that pretty much mean the same thing, and that is that they tell us to, to be who you are and let who you are bring you to do the best that you can, so therefore follow your dreams and reach for the stars. Doesn't that sound like Disney World? Right? To be who you are and to reach for your dreams. To do and be what you want to be. That whatever I wanted, and this is what we heard, right? I'm sure they're still saying this, that, that whatever I wanted to do, you know, could come true. And in a lot of cases, it absolutely can. I'm not saying it's not true, but these are the things that I was told. And we've all had dreams like this, right? Didn't we all have dreams of things that we wanted to do in this life? 
things that we wanted to see, places we wanted to go. We've had the idea of what kind of person that we wanted to be. We wanted to be happy. Some of us maybe even wanted to be famous. Want to be a hero. Want to be wealthy. Maybe just someone just can help other people. But as life went on, daily decisions set, uh, set us in a place that, that looking back, maybe it's 10, 20, 30, 40 years later, that it just seems impossible to be anything different than, what, who, uh, than who we are. Than who we are. Life just happened, right? I'm too far in my career to do anything different. I'm too old to be someone different. Or maybe I'm too young to see that I should be something different. <laughs> right? And we, we certainly can look back and see that. And we can see that in our, in our own children, right? Where you're just like, come on, see it. I wish you could see it. I wish you could see the things that I saw, that, that, that I see now, right? Um, it reminds me, I'm going way off notes here, but it reminds me of the, um, the Brad Paisley song, if, uh, what is it, if I can write a letter to me. Um, it says, says those sort of things. Um, life just happened. We have to settle, right? Got to just get into life, the status quo. And, and, and sometimes if we kind of just dwell on these things, and maybe I'm kind of, I'm hoping I'm not putting some of y'all in a depression right now, uh, but are anxious, but sometimes that can be, it can be quite miserable when we think about that, these kind of things. And sure, we've, you know, life's been good. We've had, we've had good memories, and we've loved our families deeply, and, and so all is not a waste. But what about my dreams? What about my hopes? Has life suffocated them? Now, that's life. Let's think about Christianity. Has Christianity, that, has, has Christianity offered kind of those same promises? Maybe not like let your dreams come true and let your conscience be your guide kind of stuff, but, but that, that we would not struggle with the same sins that maybe we still do. You ever thought about that? 10, 20, 30 years later, I'm still the same. There's no change. There's no difference. But is that true? Is achieving our dreams to be the highest priority of our life? Has Christianity let us down? Let me bring it down to something else and get a little bit more personal. What about for this church? It's been almost 10 months now. Hard to believe, 10 months now since our first time that we've been gathering together and with the intent of, of, of planting a church and seeing what the Lord does. Maybe we have questions and concerns. Maybe this morning you got questions and concerns. Where's this person? Where's this family? Does this have the legs to make the distance? Are we still only meeting together because of pride? And we're not willing to believe the inevitable? What are we, about 20 people? Not even that, 15? Are we only that many? Four or five families represented? Half Andersons? Right? Does Statesboro need another church? How come there's not more tangible evidence of what a church should look like or should be? These doubts. You see the doubts here. Maybe, maybe your questions are a little bit more spiritual and say, is this really God's will? But I ask, are these questions 
or these doubts that we've had maybe about our life or about Christianity or about, our, about, about church, are these, are these doubts are these doubts that we should have? Can you see the link between the dissatisfactions between life, Christianity, and church? Can, can you see what they're all implying? I'm not going to answer for that for you now. We're going to get to it in the text. But my hope for you this morning, and maybe this will answer it, my hope for you this morning, my hope for us this morning, my hope for, for, for me this morning, is that we will create a sense of hope and expectancy that we cannot imagine. We cannot even imagine what God might do. What God might be pleased to do through you, and through our church, through this church. What He might do for His glory. What He might do for this city. For the, for the lost people that out there that might get saved. Come to Christ. That God may, by His divine providence and goodness and grace, save people. If only we would just venture more if we would only go out further and lean in more to His power, to His love, and less on our own power and strength and calculations. You know, I, I, can, I can destroy myself in my mind with doubts and fears. Can't, I bet you can do the same thing. But look what He says here. Look what He says here. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all, than all that we ask or think. Meaning this, beyond what we can ask or think, God is able to do that and more immeasurably, limitlessly. Like we haven't even come close to asking of God in what He can do in this world and in this life and in, in your life. We haven't even come close. Haven't even, haven't even come close. And, and this is such a staggering statement. This is such a staggering statement, mind-blowing thing for us to, to understand, to think about or listen to because we are intelligent people. We are intellectual. Most of us have been to college. We've, we've, we've gone through high school. We've got some education here. In 21st century, people don't think like this. We live in a box called, called the law. Natural law, the natural order of things, right? What, must, what goes up must come down kind of stuff. The law of thermodynamics, which some of our guys were college students, other college students were here, they can kind of show, like, teach us some of those things. Right? We live in this, this very much area of what we can observe. And this is the kind of thing that makes Christianity just look, you know, that, that pie-in-the-sky lofty religion that I just don't grasp, I just, can't, I just can't get. But does God answer prayers like this, like we just talked about, the power to be strengthened in our inner being? Like God can literally do that. To be, to be strengthened, to grasp the, the limitless dimensions of the love of Christ. God does that. He answers these prayers. 
He does more than just give us what we need now. But he gives us and does according to what eternity looks like. That's why we can look at suffering and we can trust in the Lord. And we can still look that he's good. I love it. Paul doesn't doesn't back down here. He doesn't shrink back in his requests for the church, for you, for me. He doesn't shrink back. Because he believes and knows that within the sovereign purposes of God, this is what he is doing. And that God also, being good as he is, delights in answering these prayers for us. So, so you under, once again, strengthening your inner being. He's not holding back from you. He delights in doing so. He's not holding back from you to, to cause you to bring about greater love for Jesus. The grasp of the limitless dimensions of the love of Christ, he's not holding back. But he alone is able, as he says here. Now to him who is able. To him, not me. Not you, but to him who is able to empower, to to give you the grace and the mercy to grasp these things. He is omnipotent in his power. Omnipotent in his power. Maybe we are asking way too little of God. I'm sure we've heard that statement before, right? Maybe we just ask way too little. I'm not talking about, you know, man-centered things. I'm talking about big things. Things that will last eternity. Ask those of God. Like what Paul prays. Make those your, make those your prayers that you pray every day this week. Pray those. And then take the doxology and make it your doxology. Now to him who is able to do far more than, all, than what we can ask and what we can think. According to the power that is living within me, right? Make that your doxology that you, you believe in your praise as you pray these things. Because he alone is able. He alone is not just able, but he alone is abundant. 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 Wealth, rich, overflowing, too much. He's giving, he's delighting. And he alone can do beyond what you ask or think. Beyond what you can ask or think. So, so don't just search for deeper prayers. Those are, that's good. That's good, good to do. But just kind of think about that for a moment. That beyond what you do ask, God still is able to do more. Let that just bring about delight in Jesus and delight in God and His omnipotent power and His great power. You know, I see this in my own heart. I see the temptation in my own heart to do this. And so far too often I find myself to, to not really enjoying the, the privilege of believing and having this kind of confidence in the, the abundant power of God. I find myself doubting. I find my, my prayers to be weak. I find my, my temptation to be, by, to be swayed by man. I find the temptation to be prideful. 
And it just shows in me, over and over again, my weakness to believe and to be strengthened by the power of God. But I love it as well. I mean, just over and over again, even in my doubt, even in my fears, that the Lord is still gracious, He's still kind, He's still steadfast in His love to correct me and to lovingly bring me back. To lovingly bring me back. And you know, He never gets tired of that. I, I tire every week telling my kids to sit down. Like, I'm just like going, when is, when is that going to stop? Well, I just had another baby, so guess what? It ain't going to stop for a while. But you know the Lord doesn't. He doesn't ask that question. He doesn't, he doesn't look at you and go, again? Seriously? And you want to know why? Because all the pain, all the grief, all that frustration that I just kind of showed there in my, right? All that was bore on the cross. All that wrath, all that anger was taken and absorbed on the cross by the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He's not angry at you. He was poured out on Christ. That we may grasp the, the abundance of what God can do in your life, what God has already done in your life. Just think about that. Verse 21, we've got to move on. We could, we could stay there for a while. But verse 21 is that he does all of this for his glory. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power that is at work within us, right? Remember the power, the power of the, the Spirit of God that is working within us, verse 21. To him, God... To Him be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations. The glory of God is this. It is the beauty. It is the brightness of His infinite perfections. When our hearts say glory to God, it is like a standing ovation from a moving speech or a moving concert or an end of a great ball game. In this kind of doxology, to Him be glory, is the type of doxology that every single one of us, all human beings, were created to sing. And we see that in the way that we cheer for our teams. We see it in the way that we stand and we praise. We see that in, in, in when we, we sing a song on the radio, right? We see this. We see this in all humankind. And we long for this. We desire worship. That's why we look for greatness. And sometimes maybe it is awkward for you to say glory to God. It's because in our heart, in our heart we really don't mean it. It's like going to the football game and cheering for the other team. No fun. It hasn't moved us. The glory of God hasn't moved you as it has moved Paul as we see here. 
and your glory, your doxology that you sing to God. And, and the way that we, we sing even our words and the way we sing together is, is of course, a lot of us to do our you know, confidence and things like that. But, but the way that it comes from our, from our, from our hearts is we don't, the reason why we don't sing in the way that it just comes from our, our hearts is because we haven't had the, the eyes or the ears to, to see the glory of God in such a way that it is so magnificent and that it is so good and so great. The one who can do far more abundantly in this world and in our church. To Him be the glory. The glory of God in display. May He be praised. May He be glorified in the church. I love this quote here by, by John Piper in this, on this statement. He says that the church is the theater in which the glory of God is most magnificently on display. Can I read that again? He says the church is the theater, right? Popcorn. Mm, great movie. Right? Is the theater in which the glory of God is most magnificently on display. Now, let me tell you what that means. So when I say church, what am I talking about? What am I talking about when I say church? The, the people, the saints. That's right. Us. You. Me. Us. Not our cathedrals. Not our steeples. Not our logos. Not our websites. But you and me. You and me. We are it. We are it. He continues in his quote saying this. He says, The reason God created the world and called the church into being is so that he would have a sufficiently diversified, right? Diversified, we've been talking about diversity a little bit too. Diversified, yet unified system of mirrors. Of mirrors with which to reflect the glory of his many-sided wisdom to the universe. I'm not you and you're not me. We're the, we're diversity of mirrors. And so we're going to reflect the glory of God differently. And it's going to show the diversity of such things. He goes on to say that the church, here, sovereign grace, is the local expression of his universal church. Our destiny, therefore, has to be a corporate, invisible, and audible doxology to God. Let me read that last statement. Our destiny, our destiny right here, is to be a corporate, invisible, and audible doxology to God. Our church, our church is to be for the glory of God. To Him be glory, to Him be glory in the church, in us, in us, in Christ, and in Christ throughout all generations. I love that. Christ does the work, God gets the glory. To all generations, now, forever and ever. Think about that. 
that the, that the greatest men amongst us, the greatest men that have ever lived in history, we can just name them off, right? We can probably come up with a couple hundred of them just sitting right here. The greatest men in all of history are nothing but burning meteorites that hit the atmosphere and burn up. They shine quickly, they burn and fade. But God in His glory through Jesus Christ in which we mirror and reflect that glory, God is the sun. Never burns out. Doesn't go away. And we reflect that. So we don't reflect men. We reflect God. And it's bright. It's burning to all generations, now and forever. I want to close with this. The glory of God produces something magnificent. The glory of God, our doxology, for us to be visible, right? That, that visible, unified, diversified mirrors. It produces something in us. And it produces humility. It produces humility. Humility. In the Christian life, we can pretty much say that the most important thing is humility. And the glory of God, the glory of God produces humility. It's a, it's a humility and understanding that God gets all the credit. That God gets, gets all the credit. When, when we, in our hearts, sing glory to God, we are saying, God, you get, you get all the credits. I, I boast in nothing. I boast in nothing that, that man can do. I boast in nothing that you can produce, or I can produce, or my mom can produce, or my dad can produce, or, or any of my family members can produce, but I boast only in Him. And you alone get the credit. You alone get the credit for my salvation. By grace you have been saved, not of works, right? So that I wouldn't boast, but that we may boast in glory in Christ. Humility in knowing the glory of God is one that admits that everything that we have, everything that we have is a gift of God. That everything we have is a gift of God. And if it's a gift, then we do not boast in it. Your talents, stuff, we cannot boast in it, but we give glory to God. Humility that is just in all of the glory of God is also one that, that, uh, that affirms, that gladly affirms that God sovereignly governs every heartbeat. That He sovereignly governs every heartbeat. That outside of God's sovereign will, that our hearts would stop. Or that our hearts continue to beat because He Sovereignly wills it. There's comfort in that. Number four, Christian humility is, is believing the gospel, that Christ died for our sins. 
And if Christ died for our sins, then it shows us and keeps us believing once again how sinful I was, and that's how dependent I still am. The glory of God, humility produces that. The glory of God also gives us a humility that, that, that shows us that we are to give away ourselves in serving everyone. To serve and not be served. Christ himself came not to be served, but to serve. Wasn't he humble? That should be our attitude. That's our hearts of what the glory of God does in us. We serve one another and look for as many opportunities and chances to serve one another in the glory of God, humility. And this last one that I have is that the glory of God, humility, is one that, is, that helps us to be glad to affirm that all our service, that the service that He gives us to do is true service that is great. Meaning it is not a menial thing to come here at 9.45 or 8.30 in the morning on Sunday mornings to help set up. And it's not a menial thing to, to grab the, 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 the broom or the dust mop and to mop the floor. And it's not a menial thing to take time to, to meet with a brother or a sister who needs help. And it's not a menial thing, but all the service is, we are glad to do because it is where greatness lies. Because this type of humility is what makes us look like Christ. I'm closing real quick. The confidence that we have in the glory of God and this humility that we need, and we can even tack on maturity, right? The maturity is a work that it can only be done by God. Right? Remember the prayer that God would give us the power to be strengthened. That God would give us the, the power to, to understand the love of Christ and the limitless dimensions of the love of Christ. Confidence in the glory of God and in the, in the, the rich abundance of what God wants to do. It only can be done by Him. Because if, if, if it doesn't, if, if it doesn't happen then with, with God, then where does it leave us? It leaves us in pride. It leaves us walking away from this place, maybe bragging about the music, which I don't think happens very much, or the preaching. And if that's the case, then we've missed it. Then we've, then we've missed it. We only brag in the glory of God and the splendor of God, the excellencies of Jesus Christ. I, I don't know about you, but, but I'm tired of hearing people come to me and tell me, not, not y'all, or y'all, that, yeah, it's before I talk about them, I'm tired of people telling me the reason why they go to their church is because they love their music, or their youth program, or their children's program. Or their pastor's so nice, because I'm a jerk, right? Uh, or, or, or whatever it is. That is not it. It is for the glory of God that we gather. It's the glory of God in which we brag. And it's the glory of God in which we will be satisfied. Brothers and sisters, your life has not been a waste. Seek the things of the glory of God. And there you will find deep satisfaction. And there you will find that life has not been a waste. 
be a part of a church that seeks the glory of God and sovereign grace, right? That seeks the glory of God. That teaches you to find confidence in the abundant power of God. Not the abundant power of what money can do in a budget. Build great things by men. But have firm confidence in this. The Bible. The Scripture. And so, with that, I want to end. I've said it like three times. I want to end with this. But this is it. Last statement. I'm confident. I'm confident in the work of God. I'm confident in the work of God and what God is doing here in this church plant, in the planting of this church. My confidence is not what man can do. My confidence is not what I can do in my talents or abilities. My, my, talent, my confidence is not what you can do or what you can give or your talents or ability as well. But my confidence is in the power of God. The power of God to do, to do far more abundantly. Far more abundantly than what you can ask or what you can even think, or what I can ask and what I can even think. Because our confidence in the power of God is in the limitless love of Christ. The limitless love of Christ for me and the limitless love of Christ for you. His love for His church. By the way, He loves this church more than I do. Amen. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to grasp these things. And we may delight in your glory. Enjoy the, the goodness of your grace. Give us the power to see. Open our ears. Break the, the scales out. Pull the cobwebs out that we may see. That you, O oh Father, may be glorified that you may be glorified in this church and in Jesus Christ through all generations, forever and ever. Amen.